Today's show is brought to you by Airtable, the all-in-one collaboration platform. Producing quality content at a high volume is hard, and with newsfeed algorithms constantly shifting and audience platform preferences constantly changing, media companies need to stay agile to be at the top. That's why content production teams at places like Time use Airtable. It's flexible enough to adapt to your process, but powerful enough to keep everything on schedule and let creative people be creative. Visit Airtable.com slash Digiday today to get $50 in free credits. This is the Digiday Podcast Can Edition. I'm Brian Morrissey, and I will be speaking all week with top executives here from the Riviera. We are also holding a live podcast event tomorrow, Tuesday, here in Cannes at 2 p.m. at the Dentsu Beach House if you're in town. We're pretty full on that, but if you want uh, to try last minute, uh, send me an email, brian at digiday.com, and we'll see what's possible. Finally, we are covering all the highs, lows, and absurdities of the week in a daily briefing email. Subscribe at digiday.com slash can email. To kick things off this week, I am joined bright and early on Monday morning with Jesse Angelo, the CEO and publisher of the New York Post, and most recently named the head of advertising solutions at the New York Post parent company, News Corp. Jesse, welcome. Uh, thank you, Brian. Thank you so much. For those at home, I'd like to set the scene visually. Set the scene. Set the scene. Because people think we're on a yacht. Well, we're not on a yacht, but we're on a beautiful terrace overlooking the <laughs> Cote d'Azur. It's not um, true. Eating melon and yamon and um, and sipping. I think this is a '64 vintage brute. No. Yeah, yeah. We're actually we're actually in my apartment here, and the air <laughs> conditioning is off, so uh, it's getting warm. Okay, so uh, Jesse, we're here in Cannes. The sun is shining. Um, you know, I had a coffee down the street this morning. It was lovely, um, uh, except for those motorbikes. Um, but what's the one thing that sort of interrupts your reverie when it comes to the future, um, in particular with the New York Post? Um, well, the Post things are actually going great. Um, we have been able to grow digital advertising um, enough for the last three years running to more than offset the declines in, in print advertising. So we're growing our overall uh, ad revenue. So we're really happy. Um, our audience has grown um about 6x in the last four or five years. So we did 60 million com score uh, last month um, and revenue has you mm-hmm. know, roughly, roughly followed. Um, I mean, I think what keeps all of us up um, at night, obviously, um, is the platforms um, and, and what they're doing uh, and how they're uh, interacting with the ecosystem. Um, and also, and also the agencies. I mean, I think those are the, those are sort of the, for, for those of us that are um, publishers, um, those are the big uh, question marks when it comes to advertising. Okay, so you're, but you are still sort of managing a decline in print advertising and trying to make up for that with with the increases that are happening in digital advertising. A lot of people now are are down on advertising dependent business models when it comes to publishing. Um, no, no digital subscriptions at the post. Correct. Why not? Um, you know, when we think about it, we and 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 we've looked at a lot of options and, and continue to look at options. Um, for us, again, we've had such success that we don't want to mess with that, right? We've we've been able to do what we need to do in terms of growth. Um, there is a cap to that at some point, right? You know, um, I think. Um, uh, as the Voxes and BuzzFeeds of the world uh, have discovered, as Digiday, I'm sure, has discovered, there's a top to what you can do in just pure digital advertising. 
Um, when we think about membership, we don't think so much about uh, a pure digital subscription of just restricting certain kinds of content. For us, it's more, we know we have super fans, right? We know we have people who love They our consume product. a lot of page views, I would guess. Oh my right? gosh. I mean, people who use our phone app, for instance, I mean, they come back four to five times a day, 20 minutes plus. I mean, the engagement is bonkers. People who come to, um, you know, some of our, our, you know, we see it, we, we call them our direct and dedicated audience, um, our, our D&D audience. You know, when we look at our D&D audience around sports, right? I mean, these are people that are coming to the Yankees homepage 60 plus times a month. They know precisely what they want. They love what we do. Um, so for us, it's not saying, well, let's, so, okay, great. Let's put that behind um, a paid structure and have people pay for it. It's more like, okay, these people love us. What can we give them that's more? What can we give them that's extra? What can we give them on top of that that's going to make them want to join um, a post, uh, you know, a post membership initiative that that isn't about restricting content, it's about giving them more of what we know they already love. Okay, so any sort of paid product would be more along those lines versus the Daily News has a meter now. Right. Um, I think it's it's pretty high. It's ten articles a month. Um, so I don't know how many people will hit that, but that seems very geared to super fans. But you don't think that's the right approach? For the post. I, I don't. I, I, I think metered. First of all, meters are uh, they're super easy to get around for any savvy consumer. Um, uh, you know, uh, and again, for us, in many ways, the daily news has ceased to be our competitor a long time ago. Um, you know, we compete on, on for a single copy reader, a certain type of reader on the newsstand in New York City. You know, we compete with the news for a small fraction of that. But if you look at our advertising base uh, in the paper, um, you know, it's it's Bergdorf's and it's Barney's and it's very upscale retailers and fashion brands. It's LVMH brands. Um, you know, th those people aren't anywhere near the daily news. When you look at what we're doing digitally, 85% of the traffic um, to the post-digital network is from outside the New York DMA. So when, when you look at us um, digitally, it's really true. It's really a national um, sale uh, and, a, and a national audience. Um, so again, you know, when it comes to the local, the local advertising market, it's much more the Times and the Journal and um, people like that that we're competing against. And when it comes to the sort of digital arena, it's, it's any one of it's it's the mail online or buzzfeed or the or the combined tronc sites or you know it's rather mm -hmm. than just just the news itself so i i don't want to you know good for them if 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 that that model works for them um you know i don't i'd be surprised if it has a huge amount of traction mm -hmm. um and I, I would imagine it'll have a huge amount of churn right i think you'll get a lot of people who reach that 11th thing and sign up for it because they really want to read that thing that day and then churn out as fast as they can. Right. I guess the question is, how do you end up diversifying, though, or, or whether it's needed? Can you have a, a, a maybe not 100%, but 75% plus percent, you know, digital advertising business? I think there's a lot of answers to that question. Um, I think you can. Um, well, let, let's leave the post and, and large publishers aside for one second and start at the smaller scale. I, you know, I always called it sort of the Gawker model. If you don't have backers that are looking for some 10 X exit. Yeah. Um, and you've got backers that are, that are happy to have a discrete digital business that I'm going to make the numbers up has 25 or 30 million uniques and an events business and um, you know has some ancillary uh, businesses and throws off a couple million dollars of, of EBITDA a year sure you can do that business that exists right 
if that's your goal, right? But I, I think the problem and what we've seen now, and, and um, you know, we've had a parade of companies that look like that sort of cycling through News Corp looking for M&A um, transactions because nobody wants that. They want, oh, well, we've built this and well, you know, if you look at our projections, they're going to go like this. You know, yeah. I, I just made a hockey stick uh, movement for those <laughs> okay, who can't see it. <laughs> um, you know, so so I think there was, there was um, a lot of... Uh, call it ridiculous expectations around around digital media right. so i think you can make little digital media businesses that are perfectly good little businesses but sure i think the problem was the the outsized expectations that came with taking on a lot of venture capital and you know i think vice just the, the just new york magazine did the story that i wanted us to do um about vice and um and where it finds itself now with with this gigantic number it is it's chasing yeah. Doesn't mean it's a bad business, and and a lot of these venture capital businesses are not necessarily bad, but the the expectations are not necessarily uh, where they should be. Yeah, I mean, look, I think I think uh, I, and they're all friends of mine, and and I'm not saying anything I wouldn't say to their face. I, I think Vice and 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 BuzzFeed and Vox all should have sold two years ago because um, there was a there was a market then for it, and I think they're all going to have trouble right now doing that um so 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 yes there is a pure digital media business for us for for the post um you know again i i feel very look we we, we understand the trajectory of our print business we love it people still love it we do an activation here in can um where we print the paper here and, and we do um we do page six at can we send some reporters here and we cover all the parties and i kind of tell you how much buzz it creates people go crazy people come up to me like on you know on the quasette or at the carlton or at the parties and they're like oh my god i can't believe you got the newspaper here how did you do that that's amazing <laughs> they're like that's i mean that is sorcery <laughs> you're like really we're sitting here this is what we do we're sitting here we're sitting here talking about the future of advertising and and ai and all of this stuff and you're like uh actually you know printing a newspaper on you know the spare capacity of the can gazette or whatever is it's a hundred year old yeah. technology is pretty easy to do does that does that does that exist in a physical form in five years i think probably five um you know 10 or 15 you know if it does exist in a physical form it exists in a very different physical form um so again you know i i know what the direct trajectory of of that business is but we still love it and it still does enormous um business for us um, and has enormous impact for advertisers um, so, but for the post, when you talk about diversifying and, and trying to um, look at new um, new models, you know, we talked about membership initiatives, um, and, and we're looking at a lot of that. Um, and then the other one for us is TV. I mean, that's mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I think that um, you know, if you look at not just the Netflixes and the Amazons, but also cable um, and uh, uh, the entire ecosystem, there is a voracious appetite, voracious mm -hmm. appetite. Um, for IP that can be turned into televised content, but it's not your expertise. So I mean, Page Six is now is now a show, but mm -hmm. um, how do you develop that that muscle? Because uh, um, you know, for many many decades, you've been putting out a tabloid. Yeah, um, the short answer is you find people whose expertise it is. <laughs> I mean, I mean that. Yeah. I mean, and um, you know, we we had had many offers over the years to do. Page Six TV and, you know, or many people internally talk about it. And until we found, until A, until we knew there was the appetite in the market for it, right? Um, so if you look at what's happening in in um, 
television, um, uh, on network television, sort of in daytime and prime access, um, you know, the timing was right for more of this type of content, right? Um, you know, there are some, there are some um, stations that are running four plus hours of TMZ and TMZ Live a day. You know, if you look at Wendy and, and um, the rest of the competitive set, um, th there is a, there, the, the appetite for this type of content is, is there. Um, and then it was also about finding the right partner. So in this case, Endemol, um, you know, one of the largest creators of, of reality television. Um, when I partnered with them, I knew I found people who really knew how to make this television show and knew right. how to make it right. I mean, so you stayed a what, good at what you're good at and and got the experts in to do exactly. What and what we're good at is breaking big celebrity stories. That's what we do. That's what Page Six does, and we're unmatched in doing that. So finding the right. Um, um, uh, vehicle to bring that to television and the right mm -hmm. people to help translate that to television and to translate the je ne sais quoi of of what page six has which is that it's more than celebrity it's also the halls of power and it's sports and it's real estate and it's finance and it's what are people on the inside talking about that true sort of insider knowledge um being able to translate that into television so but we have we have but is that a unique property i mean what else because the new york post i mean there the name new york is in there which which limits it probably a little bit um well, yes and no, and that look, and that's strangely that's a that's a constant struggle or, uh, or a constant not struggle, but something we think about a lot in our advertising business. You know, it's well, the Post is a local brand, is it not? Well, again, eighty-five percent of the traffic to the Post Digital Network is outside the New York DMA. It's now a national brand, and now with Page Six um, on on television and ninety-six percent of the U.S. markets. Um, page and page six. Meanwhile, uh, of that sixty million com score last month, um, twenty million of it's page six. So you know, page six as a standalone national brand um, is definitely something we talk a lot about. But so so for the for the post and television, and, and we're going to be making some announcements in the coming weeks about it. Um, uh, I think we have enormous opportunity in scripted and in unscripted. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at docudramas and docu-series um, that are going on. And in the scripted front, look, we have 200 years of New York history that we can claim. And there are all sorts of amazing stories um, that have happened uh, in that in that place and in that time. We've got an incredible archive that we can tap into. We have incredible expertise that we can tap into. Okay, IP and TV is a big opportunity for you. Yes. what I'm hearing. That's what, that's what you're hearing. Okay, so and we're going to hear more about that. Look, and, and not just IP, but sorry to interrupt, yeah. but voice. Right, you know, there there is one thing, and uh, we were talking earlier about Kenaletta's um, um, book. You know, Kenaletta wrote a a, a a book about the um, publishing industry many years ago, and it, it had a great line about the Post, which was the Post wakes up every morning and knows exactly what it is, right? And that unique voice, knowing exactly who you are and telling stories exactly the way you tell them and the way your audience loves them to be told, that is differentiated. And being able to bring that to TV is differentiated. Okay. I liked when it was voice, you actually talked about like the ethos, whereas here in Canada, when people voice, they will be talking about like AI and Alexa. <laughs> yeah. so I was like, oh, okay, we're going to go there. That's where my mind is. Today's sponsor is Airtable, the all-in-one collaboration platform. The digital landscape is constantly evolving. And for your content to break through, your publishing strategy needs to be adaptable. That's why when teams at Condé Nast Entertainment, BuzzFeed Studios, and Group 9 Media needed a tool to fine-tune their production process for the modern age, they turned to Airtable. With Airtable, you can build the collaborative, streamlined production process needed to take advantage of every viral trend. Everyone, try it today. Head to Airtable.com slash Digiday to receive $50 in free credits. 
Let's talk about platforms real quick. Uh, Robert Thompson News Corp has been, I would say, outspoken when it comes to criticizing platforms. Um, he's talked about everything from an, an algorithm review board to carriage fees for publishers, um, even regulation, which is sort of against the grain of News Corp. Um, I assume you you agree with this. Of course. I, look, I, I think it's been... I think our company's been really prescient about this. I mean, we, we are not just talking about this now. We were talking about this a decade ago. And people looked at us like we were crazy and said, but Google and Facebook are so cool. And we said, well, yeah, but there's some very real issues here about um, about the provenance of, of news and content and, and um, separating publishers from their audiences. Um, and, you know, now people are suddenly uh, sitting up and going, oh, wow. You know, I mean, when, when Rupert talked about carriage fees, um, you know, everyone was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. And then two weeks later, people were like, actually, that's really kind of an interesting idea. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so and the same thing with an algorithm review board. I mean, I don't know if those are the exact answers, but I think um, constantly trying to drive the industry to have that debate Um I mean, people mm-hmm. clearly now are realizing there are some very, very real issues with the with the platforms, and you know, we just talked about voice. Um, you know, I, I I see all these these um, publishers rushing to make voice apps for 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 the platforms. Um, Not that we haven't seen this before. And you're like, oh my gosh, haven't we already <laughs> seen this movie? And you guys are about to just do it again. I mean, are you sort of that, are you that vain? That this you, time, <laughs> this time will be different. Well, this time the sound will be different. They're like, oh, well, when you say, Alexa, give me the news, they're like, well, we don't really know how it's going to work. We think we'll give them a 20-second snippet of your article and not identify that it came from you, but you'll just give that to us in voice format, right? What? No, I'm not going to do that. Why, why would I do right. that? The um, you know, I, I always it's like think a horror movie where the person continues to go to the basement to check on the noise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a very good analogy. I'll I'll, I'll steal that and and I'll, and I'll footnote you um, when I use it. But uh, you know, I, I look. I think the platforms have some very real issues coming at them now, um, and I think they're coming from a lot of different angles. Um, you know, if you look at Facebook, the 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 it's fascinating. If you talk to anybody internally at Facebook two years ago. They said, we are a platform, and we will go to our grave saying we are nothing but a platform. We connect the world. That is what we do. We have no responsibility for what is on our on our platform, sort of short of child pornography. That was like... Okay, that's I, the line. That was ideology for them. Yeah. Fast forward now, and they're saying, well, we're going to hire twenty or 30,000 people to look at what's on the platform. We have a responsibility for what's on the platform. We're going to deploy AI against fake news, against hate speech, against all of these things. That is a sea change mm-hmm. and opens them up to, and I, and I, I asked, I was at a... Um, Jessica Lessons um, and and Ben Smith did a, did a you know a small gathering out in, in the valley a couple of weeks ago and, and I asked Mark about it I said but if you are going to take that responsibility if you're going to admit what the rest of us have been saying for a long time which is congratulations you're the world's biggest media company now you have to act like one right I mean yeah you know you have responsibility for what's on your platform. You know, you get it. It comes with obligations. It comes with obligations. And if you're us, you know, guess what? The governor is going to call and scream at you because he's mad about something. And if you mess with the election, they're going to be mad about it. Advertisers are going to be mad if, if um, um, you know, if, if their ad appears in the wrong place. It's called being a publisher. Um, and, and I said, but if you're going to take responsibility, you're opening yourself up to, in every jurisdiction where you operate, which is the whole world for them, right? Copyright, libel, 
incitement to riot, right? And we've all looked at places like India and right. Myanmar where they've had all sorts of problems with people using Facebook to whip up frenzies against certain, you know, ethnic or religious minorities. Um, um, broadcasting regulations, right? Mm -hmm. If you're going to, you know, if, if you're going to start commissioning... Equal time and stuff. You if you're going to start get. commissioning television shows and buying sports rights and broadcasting um, that video to millions of people, well, why shouldn't the FCC regulate you? Right. Or the equivalent in whatever country. Um, you know, press restrictions and, and regulations. You know, they've opened themselves up to a enormous, enormous Pandora's box of, so what is of the, regulatory right. legal issues. So that, that I would guess, is is good news for publishers and just in the sense that it, it put... First, it, I think it, it gives them a little bit of leverage because at least right now, uh, uh, Facebook and Google um, need to make nicer with publishers. Um, I don't know if in the long term that happens, but what what else? What is the what is the big benefit then to the media industry that has seen Google and Facebook just run run roughshod over them? I, I mean, uh, not to be flip about it, but I, I think it's probably forget about being in the best interest of the publishing industry. I think it's in the best interest of the world. Um, you know, issues around quality journalism and things that we have spent. Mm -hmm literally centuries doing at our organization. You know, we're, we're the world's largest English language publisher. Um, you know, we create news products um, um, in many, many different places, and we've been doing it for decades and centuries. We take that responsibility very seriously. We're, we, you know, getting the right story and getting it out to people is what we do. So, you know, and it was very, and that is not a value to them. And I think they're now realizing that it should be a value to them. And, and I think Google has, um, to a degree, taken a little bit more of, of a leadership um, role under under Sundar, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to do subscriptions correctly, you know, with Google News, although, you know, they've gotten rid of first click free, they've, you know, they, they, they always did have people um, curating and looking at Google News to make sure it wasn't just um, um, done by machines. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still think they have a ways to go. But I think they're, they're in a better place. I think it's Facebook that, that really has to wrestle with it. Um, Is that experience? I mean, Google has just, it's older and it has far more experience with the publishing industry. It hasn't always done things the way the publishing industry wants. You mentioned first click free, which is always um, a problem, particularly with News Corp and Google. But they've, you know, they've owned double click. They, they, they get publishing. Yeah. I think in a way that, that Facebook doesn't necessarily yet. I, I think that's true. I think, um, you know, I, Facebook's, Keeps, I said this last year. Can Facebook keeps trying to engineer its way out of a problem it engineered itself into? Right? They right. don't. They don't understand that news can't just be engineered. It can't just be answered by. Well, now their answer to everything is AI. Well, that raises a whole other host of fascinating and terrifying issues. If, if you so, and again, Mark talked about this. They know, especially around fake news. Right? We all know what's coming, and what's what's coming is terrifying. Is video clips, you know, doctored video clips of Donald Trump saying, I just launched nuclear weapons at Iran, that to 99 out of 100 people looks perfectly real. And it would take, you know, a Photoshop expert or, or, or you and I, to, right. you know, somebody who really knows what they're doing to determine that it's fake. And that could spread like wildfire across a platform like Facebook and, and lead to true military conflict. So that's what's coming. And Facebook knows that's coming. Um, and they and Facebook says, well, we know that we know that 
the Russians and the North Koreans and, you know, uh, the Chinese, you know, People Liberation Army uh, Unit 61328, they're going to all be deploying AI to try to flood our system with that level, uh, that type of sophisticated fake news for propaganda efforts. So we're just going to have to build better AI to defend against that. Oh boy. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I'm I'm just going to put my faith in stopping that kind of, you know, truly horrific outcomes into my engineers are better than than all of the world's uh, hackers and black hats and government agencies and my AI is better than theirs. NPS, here's like the real horror movie scenario of it. In order to build the AI to defend against it, you have to build the AI that does it, right? So all the weapons that Facebook wants to defend against, they have to build those weapons themselves, right, to to train their computers to compete against them. So somewhere within it's Facebook, a bad movie, basically. It's a, it's a terrible movie. I mean, it's a good movie, but it's a bad. Well, but so, so some so somewhere within Facebook, they've built all those AI bots already to do the bad acting. And so what happens when somebody lets one of those loose, right? So, you know, I think the I think people aren't talking enough about. Honestly, Facebook as a national security threat um, to a lot of governments around the world. I think governments are waking up to it, um, but you know the attack surface is so broad for bad actors um, that it's almost um, it's too uh, uh, it's too tempting for them to try to use it as a weapon. So I, I think that's going to be a big issue for for Facebook. Yeah. Final issue is uh, News Corp did a study recently um, showing how news draws positive results for brands now. Look, I when I see a study that a news organization does a study that that finds that news is good for brands, I'm like, okay. But what I find interesting is that such a study was needed. Like, why is it? Is it just that the, the focus on brand safety, I think, on one level is good for publishers, but on the other level, there's so much um, so much negativity out there in the news that I think under the guise of brand safety, I wonder if sometimes marketers say you know what, just keep me away from anything about these child camps on the border. Keep me away from anything about Donald Trump. Keep me away from news. Yeah. And and that's, and I, honestly, just, we did that, we worked with Nielsen to do that study because I just got sick of going into meetings and people saying, oh, well, well, we don't want any news. Nothing to do with news. We, we don't want news. And I'd sort of say, you'd rather have, instead of having your ad in a quality brand safe transparent environment where people are engaged they're thinking about issues they're intelligent consumers reading about the news and everybody's obsessed with the news right if you you know you go into if we went into the to the palais today where there's you know 5000 people there sitting and said who here by you know what time is it now 10:30 in the morning has engaged with the news everyone would raise their hand right everybody's obsessed with the news but you hear all these brands saying, oh, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. You say, you'd rather string together some long tail, mm -hmm. crazy um, uh, uh, ragtag sort of crazy quilt of, of publishers you've never heard of just because they're not news. And you think that that's a better place for your ad. And so what we did is, you know, we, we did a large study with Nielsen and that we discovered that, you know, lo and behold, um, that that engagement of people that are engaging with quality journalism actually also engage with the ads and both recommendation, purchase intent, and brand affinity all were above um, other uh, uh, buckets that we put together, like you know just pure sports or pure fashion and entertainment, um, and so on. Um, and and again, it, it wasn't that the the you know and the the um, 
purchase affinity and stuff, you know, was 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 incrementally, but 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 more importantly, there wasn't any downside, right? Even to even people who were looking at like the most horrific news stories, and we purpose, purposely chose for like mm-hmm. negative news stories, like really bad stuff, and even that didn't have a, an impact. And and I think for me, what it boils down to is people that are engaged with the news are 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 intelligent people they're using their mind they understand mm-hmm. that the advertisement next to it is not necessarily tied to right. the fact that it's a Donald Trump story I think the the counter to that that you might hear from marketers I'm just going out on a limb is in this at this time even the most intelligent um, you know thinking person who is reading the news is often enraged and that that is generally not uh, a, a state of mind where one is receptive to um, a commercial message. Well, for us, you know, we've built a new platform called News IQ, which is all of the digital media and all of the um, first-party data of News Corp combined into a single advertising platform um, in the United States. And you know, what's good about that is, okay, we control the taxonomy, right? We understand the tagging. This is all O and O sites. So if there are certain things you want to avoid, we can help you avoid them, right? We can help you navigate the news and harness the engagement. Um, which we all know is there, um, uh, but avoid things that you may find, particular things that you may find brand safe or that you don't want for your advertiser. So, you know, we're open to working with people to do that, but I just think in general, um, this blanket no news news is just, I I think people are doing themselves a disservice. I I think they're, I think what they're doing is they're actually forcing themselves into, into environments um, that are going to have they're going to have less engagement and you know just you know just rando websites out there that people don't have any uh, true affinity for. Right. All right, Jesse. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate you joining us. And thank you all for listening. This podcast is produced by Aditi Sangal. If you liked our show, and I do hope you did, please subscribe. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. And while you're there, rate us and leave a review. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another episode.